too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we. That wasn't a great pod, was it? You want to run it back? Oh, Golf Lady at 2.32, I think, at 2.32. I'm going by what Twitter's telling me this podcast number is. And it's for the Masters. That song is a banger, by the way. And if you don't think so, you can stop listening right now. That is, let me give you the song name. It's Red Eyes by uh, The War on Drugs is the artist. Lost in the Dream is the album. Just an absolute killer track. Love that song. So Golflandia 232, the Masters edition. I just did a Spaces with Ray Floyd Jr. A lot of you have known the content we've done for the last six years together. He's a genius. He's very good at content, um, whether he knows it or not. But also his background and the information that he can give, outside of everything we're hearing on Twitter redundantly, is very important. Is very good uh, from an insider's perspective, and from a from a golf mind, and then the son of a Masters champ. I mean, you can't beat that insight. So I did I did a podcast, his podcast, his podcast with his friend tonight. Will, good guy. Um, it was a very good conversation. They're going to give me the sound file, and I'm going to add this to this podcast. So it may feel clunky because there's, it's just not doesn't like flow like it's a golf landing podcast. But you know, I want to help Ray out, and um, I want to help his podcast. But I also want a, a great conversation to be heard on Golflandia, and so that's what it's going to be. So that's what I mean. Th- this is a huge week. For, for golf. It's a huge week for the Masters. It's it's so many storylines. Um, and, you know, I think that, I think that for me, for me, the, the idea that the live tour people are there has provided an additional element of a big question mark for us, for our, us DraftKings players especially, is that you know, you have some of these very good, talented former PGA players who have not played a ton in visibility on the pro tour and the PGA tour, at least that we know, but have a very, very good pricing and could be pretty consequential come Sunday, like Brooks Kepka, 7,600. I mean, when do you ever see a Brooks Kepka 7,600 or Patrick Reed, former winner, 7,300 and single digit, single digit ownership potentially? It's interesting, right? Um, you have the dinner last night, the champions dinner with the live tour players. You have Phil sitting at the end of the table, which which Ray talked about, didn't say much. Um, does that division, does that does that spotlight, does that nervousness, does that shame somewhat that they f- may feel? Harold Varner talking about it today in the New York Post or the Washington Post saying, you know, the idea that this is, that, that we're out here to grow the game and the live tour is absolute bullshit. You know, does that, does the crowd influence them at all? I mean, the masters, if you want to be successful, you cannot give up a percentile of anything, nothing putting around the green off the tee, iron game mentality, 
weather wave, anything, anything. Look at Rory. Look how good he is as a, as a ball striker, as a player. He was built for the Masters. He's built for Augusta National. That high draw, that high right-to-left shot, that powerful off-the-tee game. But still, the ghosts, the, the pressure, the history, it impacts him enough that you know he hasn't won here yet. Greg Norman, speaking of live, same thing. Look at 87 with Larry Mize. Minus three, final round. Misses that putt by a millimeter. How much does that change his life? You know, if he makes it. You can't give up an ounce here. And so does someone like a Brooks Kepka, who's a legend, Hall of Famer potentially, who doesn't play as much as he used to, coming, you know, still knee injury issues. And, and you know, still has the the. I mean, he's 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 a regular guy. He's, I think he's pretty straightforward. But he's on live tour and he plays for Smash GC. Does the crowd get on him enough to diminish him like a percentile? Does not playing against these guys week to week and bashing it out on these tough PGA courses. Uh, affect his preparation here. We all know that he's his mindset in the moment is one of the best all time. Tiger esque. You don't win that many majors in a short period of time by not having an absolutely killer mentality. So that's a question. That's a question. I don't know. I mean, frankly, I think that I think that. Had had the live tour operations people, Greg Norman at Al, the Saudis, not been so adversarial in their approach to this business model, in that the narrative was set that 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 we are. I mean, whether you think they wanted to coexist with the PGA Tour or not, I don't think that's true. When you make offers to all the top players in the PGA Tour, had they pinched all those players, the PGA Tour is effectively finished. So they didn't want to play nice from the beginning. They wanted to take it out. They didn't succeed, and they won't succeed. I mean, had they, had they slowly built into the game, acquiring or being a partner in the DP World Tour or European Tour, and slowly built a better business model, attracted more players to the European game, I think that would have, that would have been a really big threat to the PGA Tour, and Greg Norman wouldn't be such a pariah. <clears throat> But here we are, and now the live tour players are in their spotlight. And now I don't know what to do with them. I mean, the Mito guys, Mito Pereira, uh, you know, Brooks, certainly, DJ, you know, $8,000 DJ at the Masters, Cam Smith, 9800 bucks. You know, this tour reminds him of the Sandbelt courses he used to play. The firmness, the speed, the creative shot making you have to have. It's what Jordan Spieth talked about in his interview. You get 18 flat lies at Augusta National, and that's off the tee. The rest is shot making off, off a mountain. You have to be creative with your hands. Speed off the greens. Firm, fast greens, how you play your pitch shots. Um... You know, it's 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 a ballpark for guys who can who can take risks off the tee, Phil, but make up for it in creativity with their iron game and their wedge game, Phil, Spieth, etc. Tiger. So, yeah. So the the um, the podcast today will be. A, a sound clip from the podcast I recorded with those guys. And we'll just sort of merge it into Golflandia. The goal is to always give a, a, a different set of information that's not regurgitated on Twitter that everyone knows about, right? I mean, it's... it's I, I just don't want to do that constantly. I do it myself, admittedly. So, you know, you've got a guy in the ground 
fair in Ray. He's the son of a Masters champion. He's with a Masters champion all week. It's his father. His 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 dad knows what it takes to win there. His dad knows what it takes in terms of a mentality to win there. Um, this week, whether you're the best ball striker on earth, whether you're the best around the green on earth, it just takes a different bounce. You know, Ray saw it with Willett in what, I forget what year, 16, with Sergio in 17. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have some insight. He'll have some insight that that may prove valuable. And again, listen, here's the here's the here's the caveat <clears throat> is that you you can't you've got to know you've got to trust what you've seen yourself. You've got to you've got to go with your gut. Don't take too much information in that may counter what you've seen with your own eyeballs. That's sometimes your instincts is the best. It's the best. You know, I'm I'm fighting myself with Sunjai M, right? Before this tournament started, I said Sunjai M, Matt Wiley, Matthew Wiley, Wiley 77. <clears throat> You've got to play him. The stats may show otherwise. He may not be in the top uh, in, in stroke scanner around the greens in his last 16 tournaments, which is a qualifier for success at Augusta and in the Masters tournament. Like he may not be, you know, he may not be a Jason Day, but there's something about what you've seen that you need to play him this week. But I'm still fighting myself on that. I'm still, I'm still checking myself and saying, no, I don't want to play him. Go with your instincts. Go with what you've seen. Golf is extremely random. Except maybe when it comes to Augusta National. Anyway, let's talk to Ray. Uh, okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, looking forward to this for sure. And uh, Matt, welcome to Loft. Uh, some guys that I saw, um, I got out on the course yesterday around 2 o'clock. So some guys were already done, uh, but went out on the course immediately. Watched a handful of guys, went to the range, and... Uh, some of the bigger names that I was impressed with, certainly Rory, um, hitting the ball great. I love the way that he's putting since his putting change. Putted great at the match play. A week of rest, or if you can call it that, he came. he's played a bunch of rounds here um, the week between um, a match play and the Masters. And I really think, you know, he, he looks great. He looks relaxed. Uh, Homa looks absolutely fantastic. Hitting the ball good, putting. Obviously, he's got the disposition where the pressure can kind of be alleviated from him just because of the way he's always joking around. Um, I like Victor Hovland, the way he looks, although the pairing, which we'll get into later with Tiger, worries me a little bit. Uh, Ryan Fox, New Zealander. Matt, I know, is an avid follower of the uh, DP World Tour. Uh, Ryan won Player of the Year there last year. He is some ball striker. Very fun to watch hit a golf ball. Um, and then um, the Canadian, Adam Svensson, uh, really impressive. Uh, I really liked what I was watching, at least on the range. I know the range is a little bit different, but he was one guy of about 10 I was watching that I couldn't take my eyes off of. Uh, Sagith Tagala, uh, it's first Masters. I know it's tricky for any first-timers around there, um, but he, you know, always smiling. You could see his smile from – you know, walking, you know, I was in the fairway on seven and he was walking off the tee and you, you could see his teeth from that far away, which I thought was amazing. He was, you know, interacting with the crowd. Um, so, and then Min Woo, Min Woo Lee, uh, if you guys have not seen him hit a golf ball, it's, it's just a treat and a pleasure to do so, even though he's wearing a turtleneck in 87 degree weather. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And now why don't we, uh, why don't we talk about a little bit about some of the guys that didn't look so good out there today? Uh, well, uh, Thomas Peters was all out of sorts on the range, losing his temper, one-handed finishes with the clubs, slamming the clubs down, hitting a pile of balls. I think that's a guy you certainly stay away from. Uh, Molinari, I uh, watched him hit a bunch of quick hooks. Um, you know, he was so close to winning the Masters the year Tiger won. Obviously, he has the open at Carnoustie, but he's fallen off. I think there might be a lot of undue pressure on him to try to make that Ryder Cup team in his home country of Italy and Rome this fall. And uh, Schwartzel, 
you know, uh, Liv Guy, which we'll get into that as well, I thought certainly looked out of sorts. I, I feel like I'm always, I always pick either Oosthuizen or Schwartzel, and the Masters is kind of a pool as like a C player, and whoever I pick is always missing the cut, and the one I don't pick is always contending. So I can never get those two guys right. We'll pick them both. Yeah, no, when I pick them both, they both missed the cut, so that doesn't work either. Um, all right. Well, since, since you mentioned it now, we've alluded to it a couple times. Why don't we talk about live guys and the and the the pairings that the Lords of Augusta have come up with for them? Well, I mean, yeah, certainly. And and Matt, I, Matt, I'll uh, I'll let you touch on some of the live guys and and what you think because I have a take about uh, you know some of the live guys and how they might do this week just based on their tournament schedule, based on how they haven't been playing tournament golf and how practicing and playing one tournament you know a month isn't really going to get you Augusta ready. So, Matt, I want your take a little bit on some of these live guys. Well, I mean, you tell me that from being around professional golf and, you know, being in the game yourself, right? I mean, do they need do they need PGA action to be able to prepare for Masters golf? I mean, Cam Smith admittedly said that, you know, he would like to probably have, be a little more prepped than he was or – like to be as prepped as he was in previous years, which he's not right now. So is live golf a few times a year in the last, you know, six months enough to compete at the masters? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a big question. And that's my point, right? It's, it's not that, listen, the competition at live, you know, at least the top 20 guys over there. I mean, it's the same guys who are competing against PGA tour. My worry with live guys is they're playing competitive golf once a month. Sure, some of them are probably practicing their butts off and getting ready for the Masters. But going in, and I see this with Tiger, and there's nobody that's a bigger Tiger fan than I am. Sure. You see it with Tiger, right? Tiger still has the tools. I know he's got the injury. He's got the club head speed. He's got everything. But Tiger just doesn't play tournament golf, and we're talking about the best guy to ever do it. And he comes into these tournaments, and you just can tell that he is rusty because he has not been competing. And these live guys – while they are competing, they're just not competing at the run rate that the, some of these PGA Tour guys are. Right. Plus, you're also big, fat, and happy, right? I mean, you've yeah, got exactly. a, a $200 million signing bonus. you got Brooks Kepka at the Florida Panthers game bringing props and, and, and trolling, you know, hockey players. Trolling Aaron Eckblatt. Uh, who's not his friend, which, yeah. you know, I mean, at some point, you're, I don't want to see your desire decreases, but a lot of these guys on the PGA tour have been, you know, grinding it out and fighting it out for the last 12 months. I just think that plus, plus the, I mean, there's got, you see this, I mean, we can all talk about the niceties of live and everyone gets, is getting along. However, you feel at the end of the table at the champions dinner is not something I don't not pick up on. Okay. Like there is a, there's a certain amount of either shame a little bit or pressure or, you know, you just want to hide a little bit. Look at these guys in social media. They can't even show their faces. So the crowd's going to be even like 1% or 5% hostile a little bit to these live guys. At, at a Masters tournament where you can't sacrifice an absolute point to anything in any area, I just would say, okay, that's a diminishing factor. I know everyone's on Brooks this week. That's great. To, in my opinion, do I think he's coming back to the tour? I, I would say yeah, I would probably think he is, but I just don't think that he is going to outperform some of these guys that have been crushing it week to week on the PGA tour. I just don't. I mean, it's like there's going to be a lot of booers and there's going to be a lot of anti live guys out there in the crowd that is going to diminish these guys, at least a marginal factor and, and, on, and, and the opposite effect lift a Rory type, you know, who, who kind of always start, start slow in these majors because of the pressure, but I think that he's got a lot of levity now to do well. That's my feeling on lift. I, I live. I could be completely wrong. Patrick Reed could finish top five. He may be a sociopath. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I agree with you. I do think Brooks looks very impressive. He looks impre- you know, impressive in practice. He won last week. He's um, injury-free. He certainly looks good, but what's going to happen when he's in there playing a four-round tournament in the you know, biggest tournament in the world? How is he going to react? It could be a completely opposite from what we've seen 
you know, the last seven, eight days from Brooks. Um, you know, I do think a guy like Dustin Johnson has the talent to overcome that. He's had success around the Masters as well. So I think he's kind of a live guy you have to watch. Uh, and Cam Smith, obviously, hasn't been playing great, but he has a great track record around Augusta. Matt, we talked a little bit about offline on how good his hands are and how important that might be this week with the weather that we can get into it. But I think those three guys would be the guys, if you have live guys, you have to watch on. And Will, to your point, I think Augusta National kind of did give the big middle finger to the live guys with the pairings. For example, Kevin Na out first in a twosome, which means which that's great with Mike Weir. But that's great. But that means on Friday he's going to be in the middle middle of the pack with a twosome, which means they'll be waiting all day. Look you at got, Phil's. Look at Phil's pairing. Yeah, well, look at Kokrak and Gooch got paired with Sandy Lyle, right? I mean, I mean, come on, go, it's his last Masters. Cut the guy a break. Sergio got paired with you know uh, Higa and Mitchell. You got Reed with Svensson and Tigala. Although Svensson and Tigala, I do like those two guys. You know, you got um, Bubba Watson with an amateur. Correct. And listen, for those of you who don't know, any Masters champion, the way they do the pairings, a Masters champion always gets paired with either an amateur or a foreigner, just the way they've always done it. Um, you know, you look back, like uh, Cameron Smith got a good pairing, I do think. He got Matsuyama and Sung J.M. That's a pretty good one. But you're looking through Schwartzel, Taylor Moore, and, you know, another amateur. You go through these things. Um uh, you know, it's Kepka got Woodland and Willett, which who both guys have kind of been struggling, even though Willett is, you know, a former's match. You know, Barner, Cage, Lee, and Straka. And then Mickelson got, you know, Tom Hoagie and you know, and Tom Kim. I know Tom Hoagie won the uh, par three today, but that means, you know, due to the jinx, he's got no chance this week. Um, so it's very interesting, you know, Joaquin Neiman got Hatton and Harmon. So there's some decent pairs. DJ got Connors and Rose, but I do think that, you know, these pairings weren't by accident. I, think I, I do think that the par three, because I was getting a lot of tweets and texts about the par three, because as soon as someone hit a shot, the one foot, they were playing this player because of the par three contest. Yeah. And I said, listen, if every hole at Augusta National was 113 yards and you could bring your kids, then fine. Make it, make it something that you would use as research. Yeah. However, however, Shane Lowry on his first hole, flew it like 30 yards into the water, and I'm done with Shane Lowry. <laughs> well, I, to Shane Lowry's defense, I did stand behind the first tee today, and I did watch. I think it was a little bit downhill, and there might have been a little bit breeze, but I saw at least seven or eight guys do the same thing. Uh, you might have not seen it all on TV, but I think being a brand-new hole, a lot of these guys are used to the old par-3 course. They yeah. haven't seen it. I don't think they realized how downhill that hole played. Damn so uh, to, to Shane's defense, he was about one of six guys that I saw do the exact same thing. Thank you, because I absolutely good at that, guys. Like he's done. <laughs> I'm done with Shane. Done with Shane in uh, so I have three points if I can interject. Go one, ahead. I think Dustin's pairing actually could be advantageous because Corey Connors is coming off a win, so he's playing well. Rose's game is kind of he's been a lot better this year. He won at Pebble. So if Dustin's not out with a couple of like no name, you know, hacks, right? And that might just make him feel a little bit more comfortable. And he's like such a golden retriever anyway that he's just going to be – that that could be play to his advantage. The other thing I would say is that I think the way that the tour schedule is now sets up prep for the Masters if you're a PGA Tour member so much better than it ever has because you go players, match play, which is – sure, it's not stroke play, but match play golf is all about like hitting like – some crazy shots like under pressure, right? Which you're going to have to have on Sunday if you're going to compete at Augusta and you're behind. You're going to have to go for 13. You're going to have to go for 15. And it's also, it's a major. These guys on live, they're playing in these, like, it's obvious, you know, no cut 54 hole events that are not majors. They're not on courses set up like majors. And I just have a hard time, like to to Matt's point, like there's just, and and yours too, Raymond, the, the prep, the prep for this kind of level of golf and pressure just isn't there. But Austin's also Austin Country Club, where they play Dell Match Play, is also a lot of uneven lies, very hilly, windy, uh, a lot of risk reward. So, I mean, it was a pretty good prep course for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Connors, that, that's the big thing I need you guys to answer is like in, in this game, in, in both DraftKings, fantasy, and embedding, we talk about the chalk, the super chalk, the guys 
who are going to be played 30% of all people are going to play like Corey Connors at $7,600 on DraftKings, which I think is going to be the case. He's going to be the ultra ultimate mega chalk. <clears throat> he came in, he won at Valero that he's won twice now at Valero, not really a comp course weak field. Um, but you know, an immaculate ball striker with, with like what three top tens in a row at, at Augusta, not necessarily known as a great wedge player, but those are the type of guys that people under, need to understand. Do I need to eat the chalk and play Corey Connors this week or what's going on? How, did, how, does, how does someone like Corey Connors succeed with not like an immaculate short game at Augusta National? I think some guys, like you see, like would you call Will Zalatoris having an exceptional short game? No, actually, probably probably the worst putter on tour right now. Well, that's what I mean. And I, this year's an exception because he's really struggling with the putter. Yes. But and he lost he really, seven pounds in like two weeks. Yeah, but now the thing is about Will Zalatoris, an elite – one of the most elite ball strikers we've seen, right, from his stats. And that's how he's been able to succeed at Augusta the last two years. And I think the same goes through for Connors. Everyone talks about Zalatoris' ball striking. Well, I think Connors isn't that far behind. If people would tell you, who, you know, what guys ball, you know, you know, strike it the best on tour, those two guys are in the conversation. He's like Freddie. He's got a Freddie swing. He's got that little elbow bend at the top. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think – Sometimes guys can hit it so good they can overcome that short game. I mean, they're hitting so many greens in regulation. And like yeah, with the exception of Sal Torres this year, I mean, Connors, while not the best putter in the world, if he has a good week, you know, maybe he likes these greens. Sometimes, you know, these really fast greens like at Augusta, you know, it can slow down a guy's stroke. You can play it. Dad used to always say, you know, that I was a die putter. That's why I always did well. At Augusta, because I mean, I, what does that mean to to, to the like a die putter? Like speed is line. Like let the ball go in the hole on the last roll, right? You know, you go trying to bomb a four footer, you know, right edge firm, and you miss it. Guess what? You might be walking off with three or four putt. So you know, I think that Dad always you know said I, the reason I putted so good at Augusta is I could really see my line and match it up with the speed because I knew I couldn't be too aggressive. And sometimes that helps poor putters, especially guys that tend to get a little quick in their stroke. You know, it slows down their stroke a little bit. So I think that sometimes, you know, that helps a guy like Zalatoris when you see him get off that stroke so quick and jerky. And I've noticed the same thing with Connors. You know, it's funny because – and Jordan Spieth – and sorry to interrupt your, your flow, no, guys, but, but Jordan Spieth in his interview today, which was very profound – yesterday, was very profound. <clears throat> he said, you know, especially in a cold, wet, soft, longer course, you know, hitting, hitting, hitting a layup pitch shot into, into a green on 13, for instance, is that he's going to rely on that game to have an advantage on this course, plus – hitting a putt to five feet at Augusta is not a gimme. And because there's so much break, even on a five foot putt, he's like, if you can, if you can lag putt to three feet, you're, you're really doing something on this course. Is that the case? I mean, that is it the case for like a guy like DJ great lag putter or Corey or Will Z they could lag putt to three feet and make it because you're not making I mean, this is, you know, it's very tough to make eight-foot putts consistently for birdies here. I agree. Well, Dad used to say there were certain holes and certain pin positions where he'd rather be chipping up the hill on the right side of the hole than have a 10-footer on the wrong side of the hole. I I think that's to your point exactly. Uh, You know, some of these more veteran guys, and I think a lot of the guys that, you know, a first-timer hasn't won the Masters since Fuzzy in 79, and I think the reason is is these guys are so used to – going right at the pin and not kind of scoping out where you need to be, where sometimes the 20 footer putting uphill or where you had a chance to lag it and get out of there with a two putt is a better option than having a 10 footer on the wrong side of the hole. And it's very few places around the world where you can say that I would say maybe Oakmont and Royal Melbourne are the only, you know, are possibly the, the other two. And you only see those courses, you know, once every 10, 15 years, this is the one place where they play it, annually where you have to worry about that sort of stuff. And that's where I think goes into experience where it comes in, or you get these guys that are elite ball strikers who can hit these iron shots into, you know, close proximity, the whole 10, 12 feet, and then they can get out of there without really three putting and make a handful of birdies. That's what Tiger said. He said, it's how you play this course. 
you play to the green, not to the flag stick. And in 2019, when I was there, when you were kind enough to send me there, Tiger won the tournament on 12 on Sunday. Correct. Because yep. where, where did he hit his shot, Matt? Left side of the green. There you go. And he two-putted, he made a par. Where'd, where'd Finau hit his? Well, I think it was wet, wasn't he? <laughs> where was Molinari? Wet. wet. Yes, exactly right. And that's my Capco, point. wet. <laughs> yeah, so. Wet, right. Uh, I wanted to just, I was just looking at the, um, my trusty weather underground, uh, wonderground um, forecast. I'm looking at Spieth teeing off at two o'clock with Fleetwood and Finau. Now they could, they could actually be the beneficiaries of that late early because it's not going to start. It's 20% chance of rain starting at like, I don't know, three, four o'clock on Thursday. And then Friday morning, they're going to go early and it's not going to start really getting heavy rain. The rain goes up, you know, like midday to, to two, three in the afternoon. So guys like that, if they even Rory, that's going to help if they could go out and post a couple of good numbers before it starts getting crazy and rain delay. And that could be kind of an interesting little uh, dynamic with these with these well, late, we'll, with the late we'll, early mediocre minds think alike because Matt and I had the same conversation offline as well. We talked about how dad will sit here and tell you that you always, always, always want to be early late. That's an advantage. I feel like this week that could be the opposite based yeah. on what you were just saying with the weather. Yeah. And you look at these guys that go off late. Speed Fleetwood, Finau, Burns, McElroy, Kim, Scheffler, Homa. Day, uh, yeah. Dallas Day. Horus, Day, yeah. DJ Hatton. Right. That, that could be an advantage this week because no matter, you know, people would say, oh, well, the, you know, the greens might soften up or these guys can play in the ring. The bottom line is, sure, maybe the conditions are a little bit easier but no one wants to be playing their entire second round in the afternoon and a down, you know, in a downpour, knowing it's going to be the same way all day on Saturday. So you get these guys. Thursday is going to be a non-event for the weather, I think, for the most part. Scattered thunderstorms tomorrow, but you know th- that's kind of always the case down here. But I think the real weather issues are going to be Friday and Saturday. And as Will alluded to, I think Friday afternoon is when it comes down. So these late early guys really might have an advantage this week and. I know if you talk to some of the veterans like my dad and other guys, they would always tell you no matter what, they'd rather late early, but that could be the exact opposite this week. How does the course change based on if this, if this weather holds true, colder, wetter, a little windier, what happens to these greens? Well, I mean, listen, the greens, the, the technology around Augusta national is just crazy. Uh, they have sub air in, in some of the fairways in the low spots, they have them in all the greens. These, I remember one year it was raining so hard that they had these sub airs blowing and the vents where the water would come out, it looked like Old Faithful. I mean, it was bananas and they, they're so powerful. So they can certainly, no matter how much they're pumping sub air, the greens are still going to be a little bit receptive. But I, you know, seeing an inch and a half of rain on Saturday, I don't think, and it's supposed to be 55 degrees. So I don't think thunder and lightning is going to, you know, play a factor. So I think the course and the technology they have, you're not going to see any sort of delays or postponements per se. I think you're just going to see guys out there that are going to have to grind through this rain. But as far as the course goes, obviously it's going to play longer. And that's a very interesting thing because that's where people think, oh, well, the longer guys will have a huge advantage, which is historically mm. false when the weather is cold and rainy. Zach Johnson won it one over par in 2009 in the worst weather. You know, I don't think it ever got above 60 degrees. It was windy. It was raining. And he never even went for a par five and two. So it goes back to what you said, Matt, about these guys that can wedge it around this golf course. And Mike Weir. Yeah, I mean, like the guys that are, are are super good with the wedges, I think are going to have an advantage more so than the bombers when it comes to, you know, the, the weather and your question about what it does to the course. Now, the guys that you really would like to see are the guys that can bomb it and also have those great wedge stats and those great games and the stroke those strokes gained around the greens. I mean, you think about you think about thirteen being a being the one guaranteed scoreable hole in the hole in the back nine. You take that away. And you make it colder and longer. I mean, is this going to be a single-digit winning score? Be very interesting. I mean, it's hard to say that a single-digit winning score will win based on what we've seen the last four or five years. But with that said, and the weather that's forecast, and the way the course will play tomorrow, which I think will be firm and fast, I 
I, th- I think you have a really good chance. I mean, like we just said, Zach Johnson won the tournament at one over par. One over. In wet. In, in a Super wet. Super wet. Super and you're going to see a wet course on Friday, Saturday, and even in the Sunday until about noon, which, you know, the course won't have drained fully by Sunday afternoon. So I think, you know, maybe you very well could see, you know, maybe one of these guys post a, you know, maybe you take a six or seven under right now and take your chances. Um, hey, I want to move this along a little bit. So since we were talking about the greens and the sub air and the weather, Rami, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the guys that you saw today, uh, you know, struggling on the greens? Yeah, so a couple of guys on the greens, like Scheffler, believe it or not. I saw him working on the putting green and kind of yipping a little bit to his coach about something. Yes, little, yes. Did you, did you see that? You feed it to me. Of course, I saw him yelling at his coach. Yes. I, I, I was out there feed so that much. to me. So, so, I mean, it was very interesting. I couldn't exactly hear what he was saying, but it was almost like they were in disagreement about something. Yes. And, I, you know, I was kind of flabbergasted by that because, you know, obviously Scheffler's an incredibly good putter. Uh, and look what he did around there last year. Look at the year he's had this year with the players. And and so that and, and that, that'll dovetail me into the next point. And I was talking to my dad. My dad, and I'll get into who he thinks is going to win, but I was talking to my dad, and I said, what about Scheffler? He's like, it is so hard to go back-to-back. Everywhere you go, there's a media request. Everywhere you go, there's a member who needs you for something. Everywhere you go. He goes, that's why it's only been done you know, by the best players in the world, Nicholas, Faldo, Woods, right? It's, it's very difficult. So dad thinks that that pressure, especially in this day and age, of cell phones and tweets and all this stuff. He, he he just thinks that it's very difficult for Scheffler to go back to back. And maybe that's catching up with him because Scheffler's this happy-go-lucky Southern guy who's this nice gentleman and super nice, and all of a sudden he's yelling at his coach on the putting green. So, you know, maybe that's starting to catch up with him. But you also think like, okay, I got the dinner. I got the media obligations. I got everyone tugging at my cape right now. I mean, you you cannot lose – an ounce of a percentage this week at all and win the masters. So those things fucking matter. Yes. Uh, So, so along the lines of a guy who we would historically think of having a great disposition, kind of loose, you know, he's, he's, he seems very poised all the time in Scheffler. Did you see any other guys out there today, Ray Ray, that are, that seem to be, you know, in, in the right kind of mind frame? Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, believe it or not, two kind of fireballs on the golf course, if you will, uh, who would like to wear their emotions on their sleeves. You know, Terrell Hatton and Billy Horschel definitely look like they were in a very relaxed mode. Um, Hatton's been playing some good golf. Horschel's been playing some better golf as of late. But I did like what I saw out of both of them, um, for sure. And Rory, I mean, Rory was... He doesn't look like he's got that pressure that he's always felt like he's carrying around this anvil with the grand slam. It's almost a different vibe out of Rory this week. And maybe that's the confidence he has making the putter switch and how well he putted at the match play. And coming here, there's, you know, rumors that we all heard him about him going around Augusta National in 19 putts. Uh, he's been here after uh, the match play. He, I think he's been here for a week. He's played a bunch of rounds of golf here. I think he's comfortable. I don't think he has. He's not walking around with that burden. He's got a little bit of a pop in his step. So that was the, the, that was one that was very interesting to me. And I also thought the Hatton Horschel thing was great because those are the two guys when they get on the golf course will you know slam clubs and hit their bag and and which is great. I love that. That's me in a nutshell on the golf course. But um, they both look kind of stress free and, and pressure free, and that that stood out to me for sure. Excellent. Well, so you alluded to it um, with your dad saying how hard it was to go back to back. Let's hear. Uh, let's hear what uh, Papa Floyd's picks are for this. His first one right out of his mouth when I said, "Who do you think's going to win without batting an eye?" He said, "John Rom." Uh, he thinks it's just his time. He's been there. He's good. He's been a little. He's a little under the radar this week, which I agree with him. And he said I, he liked that. And he also said. JT. He said if JT is putting well, and he said he had heard from some of the guys at the dinner that JT is putting well, he said those were his two guys right now. And I know that's not going out on a limb, but coming from a guy that's, you know, forgotten more golf than the three of us will ever know, 
Uh, I figure it's certainly worth mentioning on here and, you know, certainly wishing that South Carolina or Georgia had me the ability to go back into DraftKings. Can I ask, can I ask you this? Um, and this will set up the next point, which is our big teaser reveal, but how much is a caddy undervalued at Augusta national considering, you know, Ted Scott, two-time winner, then goes to Scheffler's bag wins, right? You got Cam Young now has Tesori on his bag, one of the yeah. best caddies ever. Um, and you've got Bones on JT's bag at Augusta National. How 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 much is that undervalued here at Augusta in terms of someone who knows the course and knows how to calm down his player or have him hit the shot he knows he can hit? I think it's paramount, really. I think it's the one play. I mean, listen, you hear about all these these, these caddy player relationships, and they're very important. It's the only guy. It's a team. You'll hear these guys say it's a team. But I think around here, I, I, I truly think, it, you know, there's a lot more premium on it. You, you know, you hear about, you know, you have these guys, you know, Homa has his, you know, boyhood friend. Tommy Fleetwood's had the same caddy forever who they grew up with. And that's great. And they know their games. But do they are they really elite caddies, guys that can get them around Augusta National, keep them in the right disposition, know to talk them off of a club when the trouble, you know, if they're going to hit a six, I want you to hit the seven because you know on certain holes like the fifth, you can't go long. Stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's leading up to who's on Adam's well, well, let, let me Let me ask you this. Who was your dad's caddy in 1990? Well, Steve Williams was my dad's caddy in 1990 and 1992. And so what's, what's Steve Williams' deal this year? Steve Williams is back at Augusta National for the first time since 2017 on the bag of Adam Scott, who they won the Masters together, as you know, in the playoff over at Angel Cabrera. So Steve How'd you know Williams, that? What'd you say? How do you know this? Well, uh, I know this by accident. I hadn't heard anything about it. And I have a really good buddy who's here this week who I got tickets for send me a live shot that somebody sent him of he and his two brothers sitting in the front row on the range during, you know, live at the Masters. So he had only sent me that picture to show me that he was on TV with his brothers. And who was in the foreground? I'm looking, I zoom in on the picture. I'm like, holy shit, that's Steve Williams. I had heard nothing about it. So I immediately went to Google, Googled Steve Williams, hit the news button, and sure enough, Steve Williams caddying for Adam Scott, probably his last time to Augusta. So that's how I found that out. Um, and I think that's a huge thing because Scotty's been playing better golf. Uh, Dad was talking to Adam Scott at the Champions Dinner last night. He said he was in a really good state of mind. I didn't see Adam Scott once in my last two days here. Um, so I can't give you any intel on what he looks like, his demeanor, you know, how he's hitting it, any of that stuff. But I think with none of, with all that aside – you put Steve Williams on that bag and Adam Scott's got to be in the conversation. Uh, I like that a lot, actually. Um, so let's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about this amateur with the uh, personal record of 197 mile per hour ball speed and 132 mile per hour club head speed, the kid out of Vanderbilt. Well, Gordon Sargent is a guy that is received a special exemption into the Masters as an amateur. He was not qualified as an amateur. And if anyone listened to Fred Ridley's press conference today, starting next year, if you win the NCAAs, which Gordon Sargent did at Vanderbilt as a freshman, you will get into the Masters starting in 2024. So the fact he's got the first special exemption for an amateur since Aaron Badley did it in 2000. And if you rewind to 2000, Aaron Badley was the a world beater as an 18-year-old. This kid is 18 years old. He got a special exemption into the event, and he played a practice round with JT on Monday. JT walked off the course and told a really good buddy of mine who represents him that I've never seen anything like that. He was hitting it 30 yards by JT. He played a practice round with Rory on Tuesday, and Rory said he was consistently 15 yards by me, and I, I can't believe how good this kid's hitting it. I'd be shocked if he didn't finish in the top 20. Now, this kid's 18. He's a f freshman in college. Or sorry, he's a sophomore now in college. His highest score this year in college is 72. So it's just something to, worth you know mentioning on Loft right now. That, and if 
dad today, we were um, eating lunch and the TV was on and they had him, Gordon Sargent, hitting balls on the range. And dad was looked up and he's like, oh my God, who is this guy? And I kind of filled him in on who he was. Loved his swing. Loved, I mean, it was effortless. He's got that little Sergio lag, but with much more power. You know, my, my only fear with a guy that generates that much speed is you get a little nervous or a little quick and geez, it can go anywhere. But the feedback that I've heard from guys that have played with him, guys that know him, his disposition, that this kid really could be the next big thing. And people are already crazy impressed with him this week. Until his back breaks with that swing. His hit, his hips are facing left. His club hit faces facing right. It's insane. <laughs> I can't so, wait to watch him. Yeah, certainly somebody worth keeping an eye on for sure. Absolutely. What is the uh, – off the top of anyone's head, what is the highest finish by an amateur – in the Masters. Well, in the modern day time, Ken Venturi almost won it back in the 50s. But if you go modern day time, I think it was probably Kuchar, right, Matt? Maybe. Might I mean, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head. Yeah. I know Kuchar played well enough as a U.S. amateur champ in the late 90s to actually get invited back, which means he finished back then. Now it's top 12 of the prior year Masters. Top 16 back then or something? Back then it was top 16. Yeah. So he finished in the top 16 at least because I know he got invited back under that criteria the following year. Interesting. Well, it'll be fun to watch this kid. I mean, I, with those kind of numbers, I mean, that's eye-popping. Um, let's move on. So, Matt, we wanted to uh, pick your brain a little bit. We know you're a stat geek, and um, Raymond shared today with me this uh, stroke gained around the greens stat. Um, mm-hmm. why, don't, why, don't we, why don't we unpack this a little bit? Okay, so, so I was telling Ray that um, – uh, the each of the last 10 winners of the masters has gained at least 0.25 strokes around the green in the, in the 16 rounds prior <clears throat> to their victory. So if you're not familiar with strokes gained, I mean, it's basically your advantage over the field uh, on a hole to par based on your shot from a certain position, either off the tee um, from the rough, from the fairway, from the bunker or around the green. So I've always contended uh, based on our conversations, Ray, and watching the Masters for a long time, is that it's a very much a hands tournament. Uh, you're not you're not going to make greens in regulation uh, at all times, and you need to recover well from around the green, especially on undulating greens that are firm and fast, and and getting within a certain range to make a putt that's serviceable. So. In that regard, there's only a handful of players that fit that mold over the last 16 tournaments. Number one, two, and three. So my pick this week, big reveal, has been speed. I think it is an absolute lining up. He's playing better than he has in a long time. Um, I think that he's sitting it longer. He is more – I think he's. he talked about being more disciplined in how he communicates with Michael Greller and not not airing everything that's in his mind at all times about what he's feeling, knowing that Michael knows what Jordan's feeling, and that just that he he loves this ballpark so much, and that he talked about, you know, you have 18 flat lies at this tournament, and they're off the tee box. The rest is uneven lies, and you have to be creative. That's why Phil's win here. That's why Zach's win here. That's why Tiger wins here. That's why Bubba wins here. That's why Ray Floyd wins here. That's why Jordan Spieth wins here. So, so you have to have that around around the green prowess. Number one is D- Jason Day. Jason Day, to me, to me, you know, high ball, high draw hitter, bombs it off the tee. His his weakness has always been his iron game. He's improved that vastly. He's had a ton of top tens recently, and I think for my money, one of the best short game around the green putters of all time. Plus, he's got the discipline patience, calmness. I, th- I think it's a day speed tournament this week with an outside to Fleetwood. Those are the top three. And, and Matt, t- give me uh, one name that we were both shocked that was on that list. Cam Young. Cam- Cam, Cam, so, so to me, if you were to say, listen, eyeball test, what is Cam Young's weakness based on what I've seen from him? I was like, he, he is very basically Victor Hovland around the green. Who's who statistically, Hovland is one of the worst around the green on the tour. Mind you, he said he's comfortable around here. I don't necessarily believe that. But Cam Young, I would say, is probably next to Hovland. No, 
Cam Young has outgained Horschel, McElroy, and Shoffley around the green the last 16 tournaments. So if you take that high draw, every fairway hit 360 off the tee. So you, the best drivers on tour are what? Uh, Scheffler? Yeah. Rory? Rory, yeah. Rom? Yeah. Cam Young. So the best players, that's what one player told me, pro. He's I'm like, what's the one thing you want to be elite at if you if you could be it? He's like, driving. He's looking at the top 10 on tour. What do they've got? They are they're massive drivers of the ball. So Young is probably the best. I mean, he is interstellar. He was 77, 77 last year. I just think that it was inexperience. He's got Tesori on the bag. He's got a softer course. He's going to hit it 360. And if he can gain strokes around the green, Jesus Christ, man, he may win by five. Right? <laughs> you may be right, Ray. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Good God, man. Good God, man. You may be right. I love it. I love it. Can he make a three foot putt yeah. <laughs> to save his life? I love it. I love it. Very interesting. I love the stats because I don't have the time, nor does Will, to really delve into a Matt. So that's why it's great to have you on the on the podcast uh, to yeah, get man. into some of that stuff for really sure. Really great. Really great. Really great. So um, listen, we're at about forty minutes in, and uh, I think I think everybody is uh, is ready to hear the guru, Mister Reginald Floyd's picks for the twenty twenty three Masters. Now, I will remind people, as I do every time. That Ray Ray did go back to back in picking Willett and Garcia back in the day. So maybe Garcia was an easy legend, but, but Willett was out of, it was certainly not. So I, I, I would, I would, um, I would, I would encourage everyone to listen. Um, but let's hear what you have to say, Ray. Well, and, and Matt can attest to this because I talked to Matt offline as well as you, you will, that the, the name that kept popping off the sheet for me was also Jordan Spieth to win this week. Uh, and I also think if you do get the weather, that we talked about where it doesn't necessarily favor a bomber of the ball, even though Spieth has certainly gained distance. You know, I think it certainly plays into his hand. That is my pick. Uh, my one A and B were Cam Young and Rory. Uh, and then, you know, some people like to hear some of the guys that I also like, you know, to finish top 10s, top 20s. I, I do like Sun JM this week. And Matt, you and I talked about him. My number, my number two. Yeah, that's, so, that's some good value at plus, at, uh, plus 4,500. Right. And then some top 20s guys that are, are kind of off the map. Basically, what I just saw watching Adam Svensson hit balls on the range, and he's obviously played well at the players. Uh, I, he's very impressive. I think for a top 20, I'm sure I don't have it in front of me. I can't get on, like I mentioned, because of the states I'm in right now. But I think that could be some good value. Obviously, we talked at length about Gordon Sargent. You know, he's got to have pretty decent odds at top 20. And then another guy that Matt will know for sure. Plus, plus three, 30,000, so 300, 300 to yeah. one. Sorry. And then another Spencer, guy. Spencer also 300 to one. And, and another guy that uh, that I really do like uh, who's on this list, who's ahead of the, the stats list about shorts, shots gained around the green, who's ahead of Scheffler, Matsuyama, Tom Kim, Young, Horschel, McElroy, and Shoffley, who also absolutely bombs it. It is first time here is, is the Polish guy, Adrian Moronk. Absolutely oh, yes. bombs the ball, got in the Masters, having won a couple tournaments over on the DP Tour. Some I soft think that, hands. Yeah, soft hands for a big guy. Uh, he's on that stat list. Yeah, he is. I think, yeah, again, I don't think those guys, you know, the Svensson, Moronk, Sargent, I don't think they can win. Uh, sorry, yeah, I don't think they can win per se. But I think now in, in this day and age where you can get some good value at top 20, top 10, stuff like that, certainly worth a flyer. Um, Sungjae, uh, you know, he's had a good track record around here, even though he hits the fade. And then, you know, the three names that I had were Rory Young and Spieth, but I'm sticking to my guns as well. and going with Jordan Spieth as, uh, to, to, to don his, uh, his green jacket this come Sunday. Green jacket number two, Jordan Spieth. You heard it here first. Matt, well, what, you? I want to hear who you, who do you like, buddy? Well, I can tell you who I'm in one, I'm in one pool and um, my picks this year were, were, were certainly informed by some of your intel. And then a couple of, uh, you know, just a couple of guys that have been playing well lately. Like I, I love Max Homa. I just love that guy. I think the guy has, 
an incredible sense of humor. I don't know if you watched the part three today. <laughs> He's playing with Spieth and and uh, and uh, Thomas and is like cracking them up on the interview. And the guy just like I, I like everything about him. Uh, I do have Rory because I think it's his time. I like Terrell Hatton. I got Sam Burns. Obviously played well in the match play. Minwoo Lee, the kid hits the ball. You know, ten zip codes over. Fleetwood seems to be like that guy's due. He's overdue. Right. And he's got such a, I love watching that guy swing. Everything about it. You know who's number two on tour in terms of stroke scenes around the green? Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Dangerous. Yep. And I love, and I just, and I love his lettuce. So, uh, and then Svensson, I mean, that's 100% your call. And then this kid, Sergeant, I'm like, why not? And this pool is basically like, it's one of those pools where you have, what do you have, like five groups? You got to pick two from each, you know, six, six got to make the cut, that kind of thing. So those are my guys this year. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens, but I mean, shoot, I, I know, I know I speak for all three of us, so we cannot wait till tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. on the West coast where I am when uh, we get to see uh, the, the, the uh, proverbial honorary tee shots without Gary player's son doing a ball promo. Oh God, don't get me started. We don't have enough time. <laughs> I had to mention it. I had to mention it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, so Matt, so, so give us your, give us your like top, top four. Okay. So a couple of things. Number one, the Dubai desert classic has always been an indicator of, uh, or, or at least historically somewhat of an indicator of master success. So 2015, 16, when, and 17, when, when Ray was just on point, uh, will it Rory won in 2015, the Dubai desert desert classic. And I think finished top five, the masters will it won 2016, and he won the Masters. Sergio won 2017. He won the Masters. Liao Tong won in 2018. Great finish. Rory won this year. Rory was first. Reed was second. So Rory is someone definitely to look at if that's an indicator of future, future success. I am with Ray. I think this is Spieth's year. Secondarily, I think that I've, I've I said, trust your eyeballs, Wiley. Just go don't don't read the stats too much, but look at what's happening prior. Sunjai M is just absolutely firing right now. He's making a lot of putts. He's great around the green. He's a great driver of the ball. Look at last year against Scheffler. He was second going into Sunday. Um, Max Homa, he's buddies with me on Twitter. That's a flex. Uh, I love Max Homa. Max, 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 Max told me that what he learned early on was from a coach, and I'll never forget this, was that the coach said, is it easier to birdie four holes and bogey three or birdie one and par, you know, par the rest? He's always gone for par. He's always gone the safe conservative route, which I believe you have to do that at Augusta National. Tiger Woods, surprisingly, was a very conservative golfer. And I think that Max will be that guy. He knows how to not fuck up. Um, and I think that's the course this year. I love Max. Hatton said he hates this course, so I, I'm completely out on Hatton. <laughs> if you got his interview from last year. Um, first timers, I don't know about Svensson. I love Danny Willett, Danny Dimes. But for me, it's, it's, it's Jason Day. M and Jordan Speed.
Sonnerbe 